What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, okay. hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. But you got to get over the top rope. Oh, wow. I don't think those moves were in Bob Beckladera, to be completely honest with you. Now from there goes Apollo Crews looking to eliminate the lone wolf, Baron Corbin. This would be huge for Apollo Crews to eliminate the guy who won the last year's Andre the oh, Giant. Oh, Said he's gonna make Darren Young great again. I guess it's holy cow! I think he did it. <laughs> this is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwe.network.com/tmpt to start your one-month free trial of the WWE Network and streaming right now. It's Elias live from Bourbon Street as Elias crashes the New Orleans Bourbon Street. Seen for a surprise concert featuring music from his new album, Walk With Elias, that you can get right now on Spotify or iTunes. But instead of doing all that, head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and try it out now and check out Walk With Elias on the WWE Network, courtesy of your friends here at the two-man power trip of wrestling. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are bringing in here a former WWE World Tag Team Champion, 
He's also a former member of the Nexus. He's a former primetime player. You know him as Darren Young, but Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser, joins the two-man power trip today. And what an awesome interview this was, as uh, you're not going to find anybody about as down-to-earth in the wrestling industry as Fred Rosser, a guy here who is so proud to be an ambassador for so many different causes and so many different things, not just in the wrestling industry, but outside the wrestling industry, that it was our treat to bring him on the show to talk about all the causes and all the great things he's done between those ropes in the squared circle. Now, one thing we are talking about today is his Block the Hate campaign to end bullying And it's something that is very near and dear to his heart, and he gets into all that in the interview. But we also talk about what he's done in his post-WWE life, which is a ton. This is a guy who keeps busy living up to that moniker, Mr. No Days Off. And stemming from our interview with his former tag team partner, Titus O'Neil, a few months back, we get to kind of fill in some gaps and get some uh, really cool insight into a tag team that uh, is one of the more entertaining teams that the WWE has produced over the last decade or so. And he was a huge part of that. And him and Titus went together like uh, cream cheese and jelly, as they uh, as they say. But, John, as I welcome you in here now, a guy like Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser, a.k.a. Darren Young, he's done a lot in this time with the WWE. It's hard to believe it was over 10 years that he was actually in the company. And we talk about the Nexus. We talk about all the great things he did. But I think it's, like I said, it's the fact that this guy does so much more than just wrestle uh, and be a wrestler. And, and actually, before I even let you get started here, he, we bring up the old former WWE superstar. We talk about just being a superstar, and that is one of the cool things that he kind of uh, gets into us pretty early in this interview. Yeah, I mean, he, he was great. I just Sometimes when you get these former WWE guys, you don't know if they're bitter. You don't know if they're going to have something crazy to say. You kind of don't know, but you're right. He was so down to earth, and he was so cool. So likable, so relatable. You almost could think to yourself, like, man, this guy is such a great ambassador and such a great role model. How could you let this guy go? What you know, what were you thinking about? Obviously, now he's kind of moved on to bigger and better things. He moved out there to LA and he's doing a lot of different things for the community. So, I mean, it probably ended up better for him, maybe in the long run. But if you're thinking in WWE and kind of where we are today and needing more role models and needing good brand ambassadors. He was a perfect one for WWE, and I'm surprised that they let him go. And thinking about how much time he spent there as well, like you said, surprising that it was basically 10 years of employment there, too, and he got released. So, I mean, what a long run. Not a lot of guys can say they had a 10-year run in WWE and, and obviously had a long and successful run there. But I'm just always surprised at, at some releases, especially more so than others. And his really kind of took me for surprise, and he was really good about it. He had nothing bad to say. He was very professional, like we expected him to be. And, you know, he's kind of just doing his thing. He's he's enjoying the, gr- the grind, you know, if you will, the struggle, if you will. I mean, he's just keeping at it. He's keep on keeping on. He is Mr. No Days Off. That wasn't just a gimmick. He really is Mr. No Days Off. But, you know, as I can kind of think back into those 10 years and think back into his run in the WB, I always think about, the primetime players and the charisma that they had and the chemistry that those two had together. I always thought that they were kind of destined for something bigger. Obviously they do win at the tag titles and that was special. And that was a great, great moment when they did, 
but I always felt like they could have been a long-term tag team. Kind of like the New Day has been around for so long now. Um, and, you know, they've been a faction for so long now. I really felt like the primetime players had that staying power. And they kind of should have been around longer than they were. And then when they broke them up, they kind of didn't make it that important. They had a brief feud. Nothing really happened. Then they put them back together and they break them up again. And they kind of brief feud and kind of just fizzled out. I feel like they could have had, had a really special feud after an even longer run as a team, I really felt like they could have been like the T.O.N. Martell feud where, you know, after the long tag run, successful run, you had that long feud and you get a big blow off, you get a big pay-per-view match. And that didn't really happen for Darren Young. It was kind of surprising. And you, and you never really know why in certain instances, especially with him, because he seemed to hit with the nexus and, you know, an injury kind of delayed that and kind of, pushed him off to the side. And then he seemed to hit with the Bob Backlund thing. He seemed to hit with the primetime players. You never really quite know. And I feel like sometimes the writing team is at, at fault and the creative and the bookers. They kind of dropped the ball with some of the guys. And Darren Young is one of those guys where I really feel like the ball was dropped. And he could have done a lot more. And, I mean, he did have a great 10-year run, but I feel like he could have done even more. Oh my gosh, he could have done even more, and that's for damn sure. And you look at how he got started in that Nexus storyline, and you know, we love the Nexus storyline. We think it had a lot of potential, and here we are, eight years later, still talking about it, but we've been able to get it from a couple different perspectives. We talked to Heath Slater about it, we talked to Michael Tarver about it, we talked to Titus about when he came in after the Nexus and the NXT stigma, but now we get an original member in here again. We also talked to Ryback, can't forget him. But you get another original member here and who was on the inaugural NXT show, who was a part of the Nexus, and, and what hope they had for those guys at this point. And Darren Young being a, a key spot, and, and it's funny, everybody calling him you know, the John Cena clone, and they had a very similar look and a very similar build. Uh, the, the stuff that could have been with the Nexus, I think, could have really crippled more people. You see guys like David Otunga, who are still within the company. Obviously, we saw what happened to Stu Bennett, a.k.a. Wade Barrett, and the start-and-stop push that went on with him after the Nexus was uh, literally cut off at the legs. And for years, he would flounder. After getting himself over, he would flounder again. But Darren Young, he kind of superseded the Nexus stigma and was so successful. So like you said, when he was let go, it was a shock. But being a part of that Nexus uh, original group, the NXT guys, and then the Nexus faction itself... That's something nobody can ever take away from him because he was a pretty key member of that original group. Yeah, that was huge at that point in time, and it was something they needed. I mean, they were really struggling. They needed something. I feel like the Nexus infused something. The crowd was into it. You know, it just had that special it factor to it, and obviously, again, with SummerSlam, horrible booking that kind of killed it off, whether it was Cena's fault or, or, you know, Vince booking it or, or not, but it was just... And they killed it right when they could have been even bigger. But that was really, really special. And I love that we can talk Nexus with a few of the guys that we've had on. Of course, Heath Slater was that was a great convo with the Nexus. But obviously, Darren Young, very cool to talk. Oh, Ryback as well. I mean, how could I forget Ryback? You mentioned him too. We talked about the Nexus. But that was really cool to talk about it with Darren Young. And kind of each of them saying how much of a misstep it was with the Nexus. And each of them saying... They were shocked they lost at SummerSlam because that killed all their momentum. You know, why kill them right then and there? Why beat them right then and there? It didn't make sense. So thinking about that and thinking about the Nexus, one of those things is like, man, 
it's a really high watermark for all these guys, especially Darren Young, obviously the guests today we're focusing on. But, man, why did they kill it when they did? It was just one of those things where it's like, uh, yeah, you know, damn it. Or, you know, damn, you know, it could have been one of those things. But I got to mention this, chat. I do have to mention the WB Network recommendation that I do every week. That is WBNetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month. And no, I am not going to mention SummerSlam 2010 because I believe that was a misstep in the booking and the creative department by the WWE. It could have been something bigger and better. Instead, I'm going to recommend Money in the Bank 2015 when the primetime players beat the New Day for the IWB World Tag Team Championships. So go to the WWE Network, go to WWE pay-per-views go to 2015 and go to money the bank and you'll see the primetime players of darren young and titus o'neill defeat the new day and win the world tag team championships of the WWE. that is what i'm going to recommend this week that is wvnetwork.com slash tmpt for your free month of the wwe network all right great pick absolutely a great pick and go back and listen to titus o'neill Talk about the primetime players uh, from a few months back. A uh, great tag team that we're able to kind of fill in here on the show. And we want to thank Darren Young for taking time in that busy schedule, Mr. No Days Off, for uh, giving us a few minutes and being able to get his message out there. And you get to hear all the great organizations that he's involved with and the great causes that he's out there fighting for, especially his Block the Hate campaign. And you can see it all over his Twitter page. Uh, he shares his T-shirt. He shares the pictures of people doing his uh, his great little pose that he's got there. So hashtag block the hate and head on over to his Facebook. Uh, excuse me, his Twitter page. It is Fred Rosser on Twitter. Mister No Days Off. And again, we want to thank him so much for coming on. And John, as we get rolling here, what we want to do here, we mentioned this on the Triple Threat podcast earlier this week. We want to start getting some reviews out there on the iTunes page if you can. So if you have a few moments and you can give us a review, whether it's a couple stars there or a nice couple words you could do, uh, your due diligence in helping us out. It kind of helps with podcast rankings. It also gives us a little feedback on what's going on on the listener end of things. And as always, we implore you to reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear from you. And uh, as we put it on the Triple Threat Podcast, if it wasn't for the listeners, uh, we wouldn't be here doing this right now and giving you an interview the quality of a Mr. No Days Off Fred Rosser. So, John, with all that being said, this is a great one in store here. So do what you do best. Hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get it on over to the man formerly known as Darren Young. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPT. 
fantasyofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, he is a former WWE superstar. He is a former WWE World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Darren Young or Mr. No Days Off, but he is Fred Rosser. Enjoy. Let's make Darren Young great again! today is a man who's a former WWE superstar known as Darren Young. He is a former WWE World Tag Team Champion, one half of the primetime players. We are so happy to be joined by today, Mr. Fred Rosser. Mr. No Days Off, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can't forget Mr. No Days Off. That's my nickname that I live by every day, all day, and it's uh, a nickname that I encourage everybody to live by. Mr. No Days Off is a lifestyle of gr- constant grind, struggle, and just continuing to make moves, baby. But thank you for having me on your show. Oh, we're so honored to have you on. It's uh, it's such a great get for our show because when you use that nickname, Mr. No Days Off, you think about other names like that, like a Mr. Monday Night or a Mr. Money in the Bank. You think of things that roll off the tongue. And, and one of the things I actually wanted to start with was that nickname, the fact that you are such a hard worker and getting out there and really making sure everybody is aware of what is going on in the life and career of Fred Rosser, is it hard to live up to Mr. No Days Off as a nickname? Because that's a pretty high bar to set. Yeah, um, it is a hard name to live by and um, name that that I've been I've, – I was given by one of my best friends from Yonkers, New York, uh, because I'm always, I'm always hustling. I'm always making moves, especially in the LGBT community. I'm always, um, doing my speaking engagements. If I'm not doing a speaking engagement, uh, I'm still currently on the road wrestling, uh, doing the independence and stuff like that. And I hate to use the word, uh, former WWE superstar. Former just sounds so like, uh, just sounds, uh, I don't like the word former. So I like to call myself WWE veteran because I was with them from 2009 to 2017. So I've got some time under my belt. So I like to consider myself a WWE veteran. That's a, that's a great take on it. And I actually, I agree with that. I like the way that sounds a lot more because when you become a WWE superstar, you, just because you no longer work there doesn't mean they take away what you provide to the wrestling com, uh, community and the wrestling business still. And, yeah, you're getting out there now. You're back on the independent scene. You know, you're starting to, uh, you know, feel uh, phrase here. You're making your moves uh, slowly but surely. Uh, but that's really cool to, to consider yourself that because I would completely, completely agree. Now, 
with getting back onto the independent scene, and obviously, you know, you're a veteran of the New Jersey independent. You know, you you cut your teeth up in the IWF. We know IWF very well. You know, what's it like seeing it now versus what it was before you got signed to WWE? Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of, there's a big difference, and now the independents might be more uh, hot than they've ever been in the entire span of the wrestling business history. Yeah, well, you know, you know, my take is that my story is very, very different, you know. Um, so, you know, you can't forget about me when it comes to Darren Young, Fred Roster, and WWE because I was the first openly gay WWE superstar uh, be signed with the company, you know. So you, you can't take away that story. You can't take away of the difference I've made in a lot of people's lives since coming out. Uh, but the independence is where I started. I started in 2002. A lot of people don't know. I started in 2002, and I grinded on the independence. I was scooping ice cream during the week and wrestling on the weekends, you know, and I did this because when tryouts would come up, I needed to make the tryouts. Um, when opportunities, when WWE would be in the Northeast for an extra, I had to be there. So um, I, did the, I did the independence from 2002 to 2009, consistently and in 2009 uh, I did a pay trial with WWE nowadays you don't have to do a pay trial you get invited to the performance center in Orlando uh, and you try out but in 2009 I did a pay trial and I spent two thousand dollars of my scholarship money uh, and um, it was like my last resort and out of 75 guys and girls from all over the world I beat them all out I was like a maniac in, in the four-day trial that we had, and I earned my contract with WWE May 4th to 2009. And June 25th, I'm pretty good with dates, June 25th, 2009, first I stepped foot uh, in FCW, the Performance Center in Tampa. Uh, it was the same day Michael Jackson died, June, June 25th, 2009. So these are dates that I'll never forget. Um but the independence is where I started, and I, I'm not that type of guy that went from the football field to the ring. Again, I grinded on the independence, and ultimately I got signed in 2009. And not just the fact that you were on the independence from 2002 to 2009, but you got to see so many of the changes happen throughout the WWE's business model through the time you were there, and it seems like from uh, the longtime fans, it, it doesn't feel like you were there for as long as you were because we were so used to seeing you every single week and being a part of a great team in the primetime players and doing stuff on your own as, as a solo wrestler. But I, I guess I just got to say, as you get out there on the independent scene, has there been anything that surprised you yet about the changes? You know, the fact that fans are so much more interactive with these independent shows? You know, is there something that you feel has been a bigger change than maybe you anticipated? Well, anyone that comes out to an independent wrestling show, they're loyal fans. They love wrestling. You know, the couple hundred people that I perform in front of, those are the loyals and those are the ones that I appreciate. When I'm on the marquee for these independent shows, these couple hundred people that come to these shows want to see me perform. And uh, I really appreciate it. Those fans that uh, attend WWE events, you know, they're loyal fans, too. They love it, too. But the ones that uh, attend the independents, the people that are grinding, um, I really, really, really respect those fans. I respect all fans. But the fans that come to the independent shows, uh, they're amazing. 
I always say that, you know, people want to eat, but no one wants to hunt. You know what I mean? So watching the independent guys, seeing them cut their teeth, seeing them uh, move up the ladder um, is amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Every show, and especially when a WWE veteran hits the independent scene, I mean, it's such a cool influx of where you're going to be and the travel, which you're obviously very used to. You were out there doing a lot of public appearances for WWE, spreading awareness and educating people about a myriad of topics. And I think that was one of the great things about WWE over the last couple of years is the integration of all the new programs and all the the education that they've done. And did you find yourself really taking to that part? Now, obviously, training to be a wrestler, you know, I don't know how much training you had to be in public relations, but, man, you were like the perfect spokesperson to get out there on any topic they wanted to give you. You really did a very good job with that. Now, did you enjoy that part of the WWE superstar lifestyle? Well, before I touch on that, let me just tell you, um, uh, I talked about the positives, but some of the negatives about the independence is the timing of the shows. With wrestling, with WWE shows, live events start at 730 they end at 10, you know, so two and a half hour show, uh, the, the, the attention span of a wrestling fan isn't that long, two and a half, three hours, the max. A lot of these independent wrestling shows, sometimes they go on a little bit too long, and that's something that we really don't want, you know, because we start, fans start to lose the interest, and, you know, fans have seen the first match, second match, third match, and then moving on, They've seen it all, so it's very important for the independent wrestling shows to keep their shows tight and to also uh, know your role on the card, too. You know what I mean? The first match should be, you know, should be set up to be very basic, you know? And then throughout the night, you want to build. You want to build to the main event. If the first match is using tables, chairs, and all that stuff, you know, then what's going to be left for the main event? So that's knowing your role on the card, you know, and that's just with the entertainment business in general. When someone uh, is doing comedy, the first comedy act is going, uh, you know, 10 minutes and then the comedy act is going 10 minutes. That's, you know, again, knowing your role. So it should be slow build. The first act should be five minutes and then continue build to the main event. So that's some of the negatives and the positives of the independence. WWE's got their stuff together. They run a tight ship. Show starts 7.30 on the dot. Uh, the live event ends at uh, 10 p.m. on the dot, you know, a little bit after 10 p.m. So um, that's the one thing that the independents kind of really need to work on. Um, when it comes to doing the community service work with WWE, I've been doing it for years well before WWE. It's like, you know, Mama didn't raise no fool. Mama raised me to always give back to the community. And there's a saying, too much is given, much is expected. So I was given a huge platform uh, that I built with WWE to help inspire, motivate, and educate our LGBT youth and anyone that gets bullied for various reasons. That's why I started this Block the Hate movement years ago before I had I got released with WWE to um, kind of be somewhat of a superhero for the community and um it doesn't stop for me and that's when the name Mr. No Days Off pops up you know Miss Miss No Days Off uh is a lifestyle of constant grind struggle and <laughs> everything else that comes along 
uh, in this crazy world that we live in. So, um, yeah, my fight doesn't stop. Now, you said you are so good with dates. So I just want to test that out. Let's see. June 7th, 2010. Does that ring any bells for you and your career and maybe a momentous occasion? June 7th, 2010? Yes. Uh, yeah, that doesn't ring a bell. You... <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> ring a bell. What I thought it then? might, though, because that was when the Nexus, you know, kind of debuted on Raw and attacked Cena and CM Punk and really had that attack oh. and made that big impact. Oh man, we're gonna have. I'm gonna have to write that down. But uh, yeah, June seventh, two thousand ten, and that summer was. Um, yeah, we wrecked habit with WWE, and it was something that Vince McMahon and John Cena, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe one of the head writers, one of the head writers knew about the angle, and uh, we were nervous, man. We were nervous, fear of the unknown. We didn't know what was gonna happen, but we know. We knew on that day, June 10th, we needed to deliver, and we did, and we caused havoc, and we were a crazy group during that summer. I just wish, um, I just wish we would have won that big match at SummerSlam. Um, but everything happens for a reason. Um, I had a lot of fun with the Nexus. Um, I'm still friends with um, majority of the guys. I still talk to Heath Slater is one of my really close friends. Heath, uh, Stu, uh, Wade, Wade's a great guy. Um, a funny story about Wade is like, he was, he was really a caring guy. He was a leader, but he was really a caring guy because all these guys in Nexus, uh, you know, seven of us, you know, there'd be times where we would be whooping the hell out of one guy. Uh, imagine seven guys beating the hell out of one guy. So punches are flying and stuff like that, you know, Sometimes we would hit each other. You know, there would be times where Ryback being so big, he would be giving blows to whoever we were beating up, and he'd, he'd you know, cock back and hit Heath with his elbow, and he could be so pissed. So there'd be times <laughs> where like, hey, guys, when we're, when we're beating up on whoever, make sure Darren gets some licks in, you know, get some punches in, you know. So Wade would always look out for me and – um I'll never forget that. And Heath is someone I still talk to. We had some wild, wild times uh, in the ring and outside of the ring. And um, I'm really close to his family and his wife, Stephanie, and his two beautiful daughters. So my experiences in the ring, I'll never forget. But also my experiences outside of the ring, I'll always, I'll always cherish for the rest of my life. We love Heath. We had him on not that long ago, and it's funny that – and Ryback, too, we just had on not that long ago, and even Michael Tarver. So it's funny when, when you talk to you guys, especially the Nexus, each one of you said the same exact thing. Great summer, great experience with the Nexus, but should have won that SummerSlam match. Is it just funny, like you all think kind of the same way, and obviously a lot of the fans think the same way, that you know the Nexus probably should have won that SummerSlam match. Would have been better for the Nexus. Yeah, it would have been better for all of us because, you know, Team WWE, all those guys were established, you know. If they lost, it's not going to hurt them one bit at all. Uh, but with us, it, it all it is going to do is just elevate our careers. And it did for a lot of us, um, and a lot of us it didn't. Uh, it's just the unfortunate, um, unfortunate way businesses run. Nexus. 
so great. And obviously uh, feuding with Cena immediately helps as, as him being a top guy. And everyone always says that you look like Cena, which is so funny Like to, to think that. What was your relationship with John Cena? Did you guys have a good relationship? Was he kind of a good mentor for you guys, and you especially? Oh, the black John Cena is what they call me, huh? Um, yeah, John is, man, he's so talented. He's such a, he, he can roll with anybody, man. He can roll with anybody. The one thing I love about John is, I don't know if you uh, remember, you probably do, uh, maybe a year ago recently he did a press conference and um, I don't know if it was Chinese or Japanese. He did a whole press conference. WWE was doing a collaboration, I think, with uh, uh, with China or something like that. And he did a whole press conference in Chinese. So I thought was impressive. I'm like, holy cow. John is, everything he touched, he has that Midas touch. And um, everyone in Nexus, I think, the roster, top to bottom, uh, whether they want to admit or not, has learned from John. Um, John is where he is because he's good at what he does. And, um, yeah, I think we, we, we've all, we've all, I think each and every one of the WWE superstars, past or present, have learned something from John. And I always say everyone you meet uh, has something valuable to teach you, and John has – taught us a lot, you know, whether we want to admit it or not. Now, obviously, with the Nexus, you were kind of gone after they, you know, after the little bit of a run there, you're kind of gone, you come back. But it's amazing when you put certain guys together, you can't kind of foresee it ahead of time, especially us as fans. But when you get thrown together with Titus O'Neil and you guys get put a tag team, and now we just had Titus on too, which was great. I mean, he was just an unbelievable guest. But it's funny when you think about chemistry and you think about guys being paired, it's like, wow, I wonder if that's going to work. And you guys somehow, some way, were able to just have a great bond together. What was it like when you first paired with him? Did you think like, wow, me and him are just going to, you know, kick it off right away and be an amazing partner for me? Well, with Titus, uh, Vince, it, and again, it all goes back to what we do backstage. Sometimes what we do backstage and how we act backstage gets put on television because it's so funny, it's so good. So Vince would always see Titus and I backstage. The one thing about Titus is that he uh, he would always help make me feel comfortable approaching Vince and talking to Vince even when it probably wasn't the right time to talk to Vince, we would still do it anyway. And eventually we got what we want because the one thing that is the most intimidating thing about Vince McMahon is his office door, you know, knocking on his door and going in people fear. And one thing I learned from Titus is, you know, don't be afraid to make a fool of yourself, go in talk to the boss. And uh, we would do that. And eventually we got what we want because Vince wants to hear ideas. Vince wants to, Vince wants to, you know, hear what people want to say. And one time he said in, cl- in promo class years ago, he said, nervous people don't draw money. So if you're, you know, it, it's okay to have butterflies and be anxious, but if you're nervous to do something, you're not going to draw money. So that's one thing that uh, I was taught by Vince. Um, but Titus, uh, when he first came to the Performance Center uh, in Tampa, uh, two weeks in, he got into a fight with um, this one guy. I'll mention his name, Lennox McEnroe. Uh, Lennox was really nice to me, really nice, you know, independent guy. And two weeks in, Titus got into uh, 
and fight in the, the performance center. And I and I said, oh, man, I don't want to be nowhere near him, nowhere near him. Fast forward months, months later after that incident, I would stay with Titus uh, in Tampa, Florida. I would stay with him after practice and work with him in the ring when no one else wanted to get in the ring with him. When people would uh, be fearful of getting hurt by him, I was in the ring working with him, showing him, you're a big guy, 6'6". Uh, 270, you know, you got to be able to move your weight and be able to move without killing anyone in the ring. And we worked, we worked, we worked, and eventually fast forward to being brought up on the main roster with all the crazy NXT seasons. We got paired together. We we got signed by John Laurinaitis on SmackDown. We became the primetime players. The millions of dollars dance came up by accident when we got our first win, we hugged and celebrated in the ring, and then we started going left to right, left to right, left to right. And then we just rolled, we just rolled with it, and then the fans got behind the millions of dollars dance, and fans were doing it all over the world, man. And it was something that was special to me because when do you ever see fans, you know, you see fans do the yes movement and all that stuff, which is wonderful, but when do you – ever see fans linked together, uh, hug, and to sway side to side, millions of dollars. So that was amazing. And to see crowds do that um, all over the world uh, was crazy. And it's even crazier to think that that wasn't like a thought-out thing. I was going to, you know, kind of think in my head and was going to ask you, had you come up with it? But it's funny that it was almost like off the cuff, and it wasn't really a thought-out plan that dance because – that was so funny and so entertaining. It was almost like, who came up with this? It's such an ingenious idea. So you're saying it was just an accident. It was just an accident. And also, you know, a lot of the, you know, football teams, if you watch, we're in the huddle, they'll sway back and forth. So when Titus and I did it, we just, we just rolled with it. We celebrated it and we started going left to right. And, you know, a lot of the football teams do that in the huddle. And we did it on live TV and we just rolled with it. You got to admit, you got a laugh or two, though, out of uh, some of those people that might not have had the rhythm that they would show on the Titantron every time you guys came out. I mean, it's uh, one of the most comical parts of your entrance is seeing the people try to keep up with that sway. Yeah, yeah, we would always tell them, you know, start to the left, sway to the left, and then the right. But some people start swaying to the right, and it's just all off. But that's just the beauty about it, just having fun with the universe. And the primetime players at one point got broken up. It, it was almost we, like weird. It was almost too soon. And then you had a little feud with him. You had a match at Elimination Chamber and then kind of a blow off at, at the main event. So it was weird. It was almost like you guys shouldn't have been broke, broken up. Or was it one of those things that they should have done more with the feud? What did you think? It was maybe too soon to break you up at, at that point early on? Well, I mean, nothing lasts forever. I think we broke up and made up and then we got separated again. Uh, brothers fight, you know, if, if you have brothers or sisters, that's what you do. You, you fight, you kiss and make up. Um, but you know, not, we don't have control over what goes on I and mean, we can, we can say what we think should happen, but it's the entertainment business. Our careers are controlled by pencil. They can pencil you in and erase you out. It's not like NFL or the NBA where, talk crap and still make moves, you know, 
you got to do what you got to do. So if they tell you to break up, you got to make the most out of it. You know, you got to make you got to make it the most brutal breakup you've you've ever had. Or if you guys are gonna kiss and make up, you got to make it the best love story between you and your tag team partner. So that's what it's all about with me. And when you guys win the tag titles at Money in the Bank, obviously they put you back as a team. You have some, you know, uh, little feuds in between. And, and it's great to see you guys back as a team because I've almost felt like it's weird to break you up. You guys had great chemistry, probably could have won the tag titles. So then Money in the Bank rolls around. You guys beat the New Day and win the tag titles. Is that important to you at all? Is that, you know, kind of uh, something that, that's a career highlight? Because to us as fans, like, wow, great. They're, you know, they're giving them a, a push or they're giving them recognition to give them the tag titles. What is your thought on it when you and Titus, as the primetime players, win the tag team titles? Well, it's a goal anyone wants to make, anyone wants to do. Um, there's only been, uh, a friend of mine said, there's only been about maybe a total of 800 people that have made it to the roster, you know, over WWE's um, existence. So it's it's very limited, very limited. So to win a championship title um to not only win it and to represent the community the lgbtq community or anyone that gets bullied uh meant the world to me because it's like if people can see me on tv they can identify with me and say if he can do it i can do it uh with me being a champion um and me being an advocate people that are uh you know lgbtq and that are excellent athletes they can be like man they can have that confidence and that's what it's all about because being the first openly gay WWE superstar right now as we speak moving forward I have a duty to instill confidence in our youth and that's what it's all about because you give our youth that confidence the sky's the limit and you're such a great role model, obviously, for the community. And that's why I thought it was interesting when they paired you with Bob Backlund. Obviously, PTP break up again. You kind of have a little mini feud with Titus O'Neil. But the whole make Darren Young great again with Bob Backlund, because Bob has always been known as quite a great role model as well. You know, he's always drug-free, always alcohol-free, always was working out, keeping himself in great shape. So did you like the pairing with Bob Backlund kind of as your light coach? Well, it's funny because, again, tag teams don't last forever. And I've done autograph signings with Bob Backlund well before Titus and I broke up. And the one thing about Bob Backlund and I is that when we do our autograph signings, we like to do them standing up. We like to get personable with the people because standing down is for lazy people. I'll sit down when I'm an old man, but, like, I like to be interactive. I like to be in your face. I like to people to see me and be like, man, this guy's real. So, a couple of times Bob and I did our appearances. We did them standing up. He's energetic. I'm in, I'm energetic. And I said to myself, man, when I'm done teaming with Titus, I love to, you know, be mentored by him. So when the time was right, I wrote up a storyline, a couple storylines, and I had some images to show Vince. And like I said, the most intimidating thing about Vince Man is his office door. So when I was ready to propose this idea to him, because I proposed the idea to him, no one else did. I proposed the idea to Vince Man. I looked him in the eye. I told him that it would work. Uh, I had the visuals. Uh, I had it all written out. And he looked at it, and he, he was amazed by it. And he loved the idea. And he called up personally and said, would you want to do the storyline with Darren Young, Fred Rosser? And uh, Bob was for it. And we started filming vignettes and. Stanford, Connecticut, 
we had to redo them a couple of times because uh, they just, you know, we needed some bells and whistles to the stuff that we were doing. And eventually we, 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 we brought it to TV and the storyline started to get legs behind it. It started to get legs behind it. And you can go through my social media because I've posted tons of stuff with Bob and you can hear the crowd's reaction. The people are getting behind it, right? especially my feud with the Miz. Uh, that was probably like my last big feud with the Miz. And when I first met the Miz years ago, I couldn't stand him. He was the loudest person in the room, but fast forward to working with him he helped me out so much in that storyline and the promo segments and the wrestling matches. Uh, he was a great guy to miss. And he was actually for me beating him for the title at battleground. And then of course, you know, like all heels, they can take it back the next day, a couple weeks from now, but you know, it's all about giving a dog a bone, you know, and Miz was all about, you know, get the title to Darren and then I'll take it back from him. Again, we're storytellers, you know, we don't. I don't take it seriously, uh, but it, it's unfortunate. Uh, the people that are under Vincent Man, well, I guess, didn't have my back. So I guess you have some favorites and not so favorites. I guess I wasn't a favorite to someone under Vince, and uh, eventually it got kiboshed. Would have been cool because your crowd reaction, like you said at that point, was great. And, you know, Miz obviously could have gotten it back and gotten even more heat for it. And, and I thought that was the, almost the perfect timing. And you, you had a little bit of a winning streak there. So it would have been absolutely perfect at that point to give you the IC title. You ever look back and, and kind of like regret, like, oh, I wish I was IC champ? Or is, is anything like that ever crossed your mind? Or is one of those things where you just look forward and you're looking towards the next day and like, ah, it didn't happen. I'm just going to, I'm just going to roll with the punches. Uh, nah, I mean, I'd be lying to I'd be lying to you if I told you it didn't bother me. You know, I wish, you know, it was a storyline that I created and I knew it would work. And like the fans would get behind it and I could just look at Vince and be like, man, this is really taking off, man. I'm so happy. I'm so, so happy. I'm so energetic um, about it. But yeah, I'd be lying to you if, if I said it didn't bother me. It did bother me. Um, so to win a singles title by myself, uh, on my own terms would have been amazing, but uh, hey, it is what it is. I always say it is what it is, and you just got to keep moving forward. All about moving forward, and obviously the WD release. You got a really bad arm injury, and they released you. Was that surprising at all for you? Why you're injured to get released? Did did you feel or did you see it coming at all? Like, what was the kind of the outcome with that? Well, I had just did media with them uh i was at a basketball game uh, and the next day on a sunday i got called up carano uh, and he gave me my release so i thought it was surprising but i had already made the move for me from tampa to la full-time in august and i got released the end of october so i kind of knew that you know I, I had a feeling in my gut because I just know, I just know nothing lasts forever. Um, and uh, when I made the move out to LA, I got released in October. So, you know, I knew, I knew it was going to happen. Um, but life goes on. And uh, like I said, my fight is much more bigger than in the ring. It's outside of the ring. That's why I continue out here in California and all over the world to do my advocacy work.
and you are doing a great job with it. And as we start to wind it down, we'll definitely get into a little bit of your advocacy work in just a minute. I just wanted to ask, you know, there's so many moments when you look at your career, like bright spots, you know, the Nexus, winning the tag titles, you and Titus O'Neil, you and Bob Backlund, which is so cool to kind of look back and look at all the great highlights. But do you have any favorite matches that, that stick out in your career? Is it possible that you have some favorites that really kind of stand out above others? Well, again, winning the tag team titles, that had to have been one of my favorite matches because we didn't find out that we were going to win the tag team titles until, like, the actual pay-per-view was actually going on. So that afternoon, you're like, we don't know what the hell is going on. We're not going to get be given an opportunity. This is BS. And then we find out the last minute we're winning the titles. It just, like, does something to you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six feet tall in real life, but – it just makes you bigger than ever. It makes you seven feet tall. Like, wow, you're on top of the world. So I can only imagine how someone like Roman feels or Brock feels or ev- everyone deals with emotions differently. But to be told that you're going to be winning a, a championship title, I mean, that means you're on top of the world. And to have that feeling, I'll never forget that feeling of celebrating with the fans, winning the tag team titles. So that moment would have to uh, one of my most favorite parts of my WWE career. And I remember an awesome moment in the summer of 2010. I was in the crowd at MSG when the Nexus basically made uh, some surprise appearances through the crowd, and, and you guys are doing that. So that that's one of my favorite moments because it was so cool and so real, and it felt so electric. I don't know if you remember that time in, in MSG. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm uh yeah, I'm not sure about that moment, but I tell you what, where we were doing the Nexus, it was competitive amongst each other. Um, you know, I had got these new boots, funny story, when we did the Nexus, I got these boots, and there's seven of us, so I wanted to appear tall, you know? So I got these new wrestling boots with these uh, plain, with these cane, cane, you know, cane-type lifts on my boots. So if I'm six feet tall, these probably made me look like six two, six one and a half. So I'm like on stilts. So when we were doing the Nexus and we would do do run-ins, this one night at, at, at a live event, not at TV, we ran to the ring and like uh, the pads around the ring, it was elevated. I, I and I was running, I tripped, and I twisted my ankle so badly that I was so pissed at myself that as I was taking the boots off after the match, I was getting dressed across from Wade Barrett. And then he looked at my boots and he noticed it right away. He's like, Darren, do you have lifts on your boots, Mike? I said, damn it, Wade. Yes, I do. And I twist my freaking ankle, man, running down the ring. And he was just laughing his ass off, man. So that's probably a funny story (laughs) that that I'll never forget. I'm trying to look taller than everyone in Nexus, and then I screw myself over by twisting my ankle with my cane tight boots on. <laughs> that, that's great, and I'm sure Titus O'Neil now can kind of relate to you if you saw that greatest Royal Rumble clip where he kind of slips and ooh, you know, right on the uh, you know, WB Network national international TV. Yeah, um, well, Titus, man, I said to him, I said, thank God, because people have asked me, what did I think about it? I said, what do you want me to say? One, I'm happy he's okay, because if that would have been me, I would have hit my head on some kind of meal, 
is on some kind of metal beam under the ring because there's metal under the ring. We have stuff under the ring. We have we have tables, ladders, and chairs. You know, so like imagine if something would have been hanging and he slid under there and would have de- decapitated his head, man. I, I mean, it would have been awful. But thank goodness he was okay. And I told Titus, well, man, the next day you're gonna have t-shirts. I bet, man, they're gonna make some kind of t-shirts. And the next day they did, man. Uh, so <laughs> people, people might be laughing at him, but he's laughing to the bank. <laughs> you know, I think one thing everybody didn't really point out about that: if that was not a special show like it was, those are LED screens that are around the ring, not the apron. So there, there could have been something a lot worse had it been a traditional <laughs> television taping. Exactly, exactly, and 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 people don't realize that. People don't realize that. Thank goodness he was okay. But right now, as we speak, he's laughing to the bank. Hashtag millions of dollars, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always tried and true at the end. And and before we get to the wrap up here, and we got to talk about the advocacy and what you're doing. I just want to read to to the audience what you have pinned to the top of your Twitter page, and it says sometimes being different feels a lot like being alone. But with that being said, it has taken me so many years to be okay with being different and with being this alive and this intense, hashtag be different, hashtag block the hate. That's very strong, and it's so well said. And obviously the picture that you have posted underneath reflects everything that you're doing for your advocacy and spreading the word about the LBGTQ community. So please share with the listeners and the fans of the two-man power trip, you know, just what it is you are working with this block the hate program that you've been doing for years and years and years, but please explain it if you can to our listeners. And really, that, uh, that strong statement you have is very inspiring. And it's, uh, it's quite valiant of you. No, sure. You know, the block the hate movement originally started with me being the first openly gay WWE superstar, but, you know, it's more than just an LGBTQ movement. It's a movement for anyone that's gotten bullied for various reasons. And the whole model behind the block the hate movement is in this world we all receive hate for various reasons but in order to be strong and successful we must block the hate hate is just a feeling not a characteristic so there's always hope in curing it and i've actually partnered up with my friends at headquarters clothing uh because both brands um message are parallel uh we really want to inspire others to achieve greatness through messages in our brand so with me, at the end of the day, you know, I want to be remembered as a good human being, uh, someone who was the first in the industry to pave the way for other LGBTQ athletes in wrestling and beyond to come out and live an honest and authentic life. To me, that's what it's all about. You know, being the first gay wrestler, I've been able to encourage, inspire wrestling fans all over the world to chase their dreams. And... um I've been able to show other LGBTQ athletes that they have a duty really to instill confidence in the youth lead by example. And that's what I'm doing every day, leading by example. My social media is my diary, my open diary to the world. So anything I've ever, ever posted on my social media always came from the heart. It didn't come from me just post, post it. It came from the heart. So um, everything I post again is my open diary to the world and, if someone can look at my social media and be down and depressed and kind of identify with me and my social media lifts their spirits up, and so be it. Because when I came out, one of the first people to contact me was Cher, the icon Cher. She contacted me on social media, and she said, because of my story, 
one of her friends that's a wrestling fan was able to come out to his family, and now um, now he's comfortable with being himself. And when Cher messaged me and said that, I was in awe, and I knew right then and there that, man, my story's a big deal, and my story is inspiring people all over the world. So uh, if I can tell my story like I'm doing now and it can help inspire people, that's what it's all about, man. So I, I really thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to uh, tell my story and, and, and continue to block the hate, spread the word, and above all else, strengthen numbers because I can't do it alone, baby. That's right, and that's why we love to give the platform for, for anything when it comes to uh, awareness and spreading something as important as what you're trying to spread. It overshadows the great stuff you did do in your career, uh, whether it was with the WWE or beforehand, and we're just happy to be a small part of it and help you uh, spread the word. And as we wrap it up, and I'm going to get to your social media and all the plugs in a minute here, but when it's a veteran or a long time, you know, old timer, we always ask, what's your legacy? But you've got so much left to do in the business of not just wrestling, but just all over the spectrum. Where do you see Fred Rosser in five years? Is it still wrestling? Is it taking on more of a humanitarian role full-time? Is it acting? Like, where do you see yourself if you look five years down in the crystal ball? We see myself continuing uh, my advocacy work um, on my own, and as well with WWE, uh, because eventually uh, I would love to get my advocacy work with WWE on the ambassador level. Uh, five years from now, I could still be wrestling. I still feel great. I still have a lot left in the tank. I still have goals of going to Japan. I've wrestled all over the world, but I've never been to South Asia. So I'm currently working on that now. So I'm going to get out to Japan. And I'm going to things out there. All right. So, yeah, you went out. We, we, we lost you for a half second there. So if you can, you know, just because I don't want to tempt fate, just share with uh, the listeners where we can get your social media. And we'll wrap it up for you. I just don't want to lose the uh, the most important part here. Yeah, cool. Well, my website, realfredrosser.com, you can go to that and, and get all my social media information. You can get all my dates as to where I'm going to be wrestling at or doing my um, speaking engagements. And just because moves aren't being announced, doesn't mean moves aren't being made. So I'm not going to post everything big that's going on in my life because, you know, I wanted to take off first. So there's some things that are, you know, currently being worked on. And once they get finalized, I'll definitely promote it. But like I said, I always say just because moves aren't being announced doesn't mean that they're being made. So they're currently being made right now. My Twitter and Instagram are the same, at at RealFredRosser. My government name, my real name, um, everyone knows me as uh, Darren Young from WWE, but outside of the ring, moving forward, Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser, all my social media, at Real Fred Rosser. Show me some love. Join the Block Dave movement. I can't do it alone. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.